Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Hello, welcome to the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. We explore some of the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. I'm Scarlett Fu. And we're talking about surfing. Oh man, that's you know what? If I I am one of those people where I have to learn to swim because I always wanted to surf. I always wanted to get on a wave and and do that thing, you know. Now a small wave now. I'm talking like a Greg Brady wave. I'm not talking about those <laughs> those waves where, you know, it's the like the side of a building, whatever. The talk with us about surfing. He is Eric Logan, chief executive officer of the World Surf League. Eric, thank you so much for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports. It's a pleasure to be here. And just a real quick note, um, just so you know, I, uh, born and raised in Oklahoma, did not start surfing until I was 41. Couldn't what? swim in the ocean oh. either. So there you go. Oh, see, well, I don't want to tell you how many years I got on you over the 41, but I want to start. You know, let's put it this way. This is this is how old I am. I remember okay. watching Wide World of Sports and watching yep. the Duke Kahanamoku classic where the surfers yeah. would get out and Scarlett's looking at me like what in the hell are you talking about <laughs> no I mean he was he was the man that led the way in surfing just like they said worldwide of sports yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you lost her you lost her at spanning the globe with <laughs> <laughs> well tell me now because the WSL it first started 1976 to what it is today Tell me how the sport and the league has evolved. Well, you know, it, it's a it's a great it's a great story, but I think kind of picking up your thread from the legendary Duke Kahanamoko. Um, you know, back in 1976, he was on the North Shore of Oahu, mm. and uh, the first professional event started then. The surfing's been around since the ancient Polynesians um, with Duke. I mean, Eddie Akau is probably most most known for being in the 70s, uh, being around when the start of the sport happened and, you know, flash forward almost five decades because we're coming up on the 50th anniversary. Uh, the sport's gone through a lot of transformations. Uh, where we are today is we have a, an amazing ownership structure that has come in and centralized and professionalized the sport. And what we do is focus on building the largest, biggest, most interactive uh, uh, platform for professional surfing. And what professional surfing is, because prior to me going, I mean, I'm sure some of your listeners probably were like, this is a thing. So I ran Oprah Winfrey's companies for 10 years. And when I left to go run the WSL, everybody was excited. But then they go, is that a thing? I'm like, yes, it's a thing. <laughs> and and so professional surfing is a thing. We're an Olympic sport for the second year coming up. But, you know, what we do is we travel around the world. We'll do events in Australia, uh, Brazil. Portugal, Tahiti, Hawaii, uh, United States, uh, Mexico, El Salvador. And at the end of each year, we crown uh, the men and women's world champions. And, and from that, the way the organization and the company is, is that we're very unique that we control the entire pathway of the sport. So in a, in a way that you would think that 
in baseball, there's A, AA, AAA, and the professionals. There's tiers to our sport as well. So um, we've just spent a lot of time making sure that the pathway is great and that the company is doing what it needs to do in terms of raising the profile of all these surfers. So in baseball, there's the MLB, but then Japan has its own baseball league. Uh, Korea has its own baseball league. Other countries have their own leagues. Um, because you hold events year-round across the world, are there other surf leagues that you compete with? No, not professionally. That's what's unique about surfing. There are other NGBs that you would see from a qualification what's an or NGB? Olympic perspective. It's a national governing body. So, okay. for example, that like uh, USA Basketball would be the national governing body versus the NBA in the United States. Right. And those NGBs are the ones that sort of lean to the, um, to the uh, Olympics. Our surfers, um, when we contract them, can't compete in a competing professional league. And there's not another professional league to compete in to begin with. So from our perspective, it's, it's a really great uh, moat we have around the organization so that when the surfers come here, we give them the pathway. They have the opportunity to compete at the highest levels and get the exposure through all the different distribution modalities we have. But then in their local countries, they can do some local events with through their NGBs. So, for example, the ones in um, Australia, Surfing Australia is what it's called. In the United States, it's, it's uh, United States Surfing. Well, one thing that helped you out, you talk about the exposure, is that pro surfing made it to the Olympics. It debuted uh, at the Tokyo Olympics in 2020. And that really brought it out for you guys. And I think you guys are going also uh, in Paris in 2024. Is that correct? Yeah. So in uh, 20, in 2020, was, which was one, sadly, because of the COVID year, um, we had uh, we, we definitely had surfing in. And it was a little bit of a tricky place. It was in a, in a break called Chiba. And, mm. you know, what, what's so unique about our sport that people probably – assume but it's always interesting to point out is unlike basketball or cricket or football that field of play doesn't move that field of play is the field of play the basketball rim is 10 foot um our field of play changes every nanosecond um tide swell and so we have this really interesting relationship that we love with the ocean that we show up in the mornings our surfers have to be ready and then we can go, there's no waves, go back to bed. So every night our surfers go to bed waking up for us to do what's called the call. So when we were in um, Japan um, for the Olympics in Tokyo, excuse me, um, we had a, actually had a typhoon, a uh, cyclone swell came through, so we had some good waves. And, and it turned out to be great. And both of our world champions uh, won that event. Could uh, we do qualify Olympians into it with uh, Italo Ferreira and Carissa Moore? So if you flash forward to tw- 2024, something that's very, very interesting that in our sport is that in Paris, France, there's not a great surf break. For those of you who are familiar with Paris, not a big surf town, as mm-hmm. you would imagine. Yep. But there actually is in a place called Tahiti. Because Tahiti is actually French Polynesia. Mm. So there, so what's going to happen is the Olympics are going to take place, you know, in Paris. Surfing is going to take place at one of our tour stops called Teahopo'o. Uh, some people call it Chopu. And it's one of the gnarliest, dangerous, left-hand barreling waves <laughs> in the world. And that's going to ha- take place in 24. And I definitely think that 
you know, the imagery that's going to come out of that is going to be all time. And I think it's really going to take, to your point, how it elevated through the Olympics. It's going to be another shot in the arm because the, the visual status of what comes out of that wave, is cool. if you just Google Googled Tahiti waves, you'll see them. <laughs> they're, they're some of the biggest waves ever. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You know, you mentioned something about the typhoons disrupting some of the competitions. Um, You've been head of the World Surf League for four years now, so I'm sure you've seen your fair share of extreme weather events and the evolution of uh, more frequent uh, weather events, extreme weather events as well. Is climate change good or bad for surfing? You know, I think it's just a fact that we live with, to be honest. Um, you know, there's obviously could be a debate whether or not La Nina or El Nino does certain things to the water temperatures. We think the climate change from an organizational perspective is something that we're fighting. Um, we have an organization called WSL One Ocean, where we focus on a lot of things, but predominantly reef uh, coral restoration, because without the reefs, the waves don't actually perform. Mm-hmm. We we do huge initiatives at every one of our stops in terms of single-pass plastic cleanup. And we focus on things like the acid levels, and the acidic levels that are in the ocean. So, you know, climate change is not good on any level uh, from from our view. When you sort of take that down to the micro view about the impacts and the storms, you know, what we do see is certain periods of times we'll see these runs. And what I mean by a run is you'll just see weeks upon weeks upon weeks of energy coming that is out of character. And then sometimes we'll see weeks upon weeks upon weeks where we have no energy at a certain point of time, which is out of character. Mm-hmm. So we, we acknowledge that, you know, Mother Earth is changing. Um, we don't think that it's changing for the good. We think that um, it is changing and we're trying to fight it. However, when you get it down to the competitive nature, you know, the way our sport works currently, like right now, we, we are actually, you know, for the next several days are in a place called Bells Beach in Torque, Australia. And so we have a two-week window, and that two-week window gives us uh, a shot to have the waves show up. And we need about three, three and a half days to run the competition. So 
when you, you sort of think about it that way, what we do is we move the tour and we put them into locations that historically we would see energy in the ocean. And, and for the most part, we do a pretty good job of that. I guess the, the delicate way I could put this is you've got a bunch of competitors they're looking for that wave, and then you see that wave, and I could just see a bunch of guys saying, get the hell off my wave. Or women. Yeah, <laughs> it works the same way. It's like, you know, how, how do the surfers work that out, men and women trying to fight over the wave? It's such a great question. So in the, in the field of play for us, there's actually a very important piece of strategy called priority. And the way it works is that the three of us are surfing and the start of the heat would have no priority. So I would take the first wave and then that means the two of you would have a chance to get a wave. And then let's just say you got the wave and then she would have priority. And then what happens is, is that there's an order that goes to it. And then after I catch my wave, I got to paddle back out to the outside and we have a judge that judges how soon somebody returns to the lineup and keeps track of who had priority. So what that basically means is, is that there's a heap of strategy that happens. So if it's a two man heat, like we normally run toward the final of the day and I have priority and I have, and you don't, I get first choice of the better wave. If I don't like it, then you can take it. But then, you know, the way the scoring works is pretty simple. You, the goal is to get a 10 on a wave. You get, you get as many waves as you want in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And a perfect heat is the best two waves of all your waves. So a perfect heat would be 20. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a little bit of structure. Now, back in the day when uh, the surfing uh, didn't have priority, it was a bit of, uh, of a demolition derby out there. <laughs> Four men and women out there. So, you know, we were trying to improve the quality of surfing. I think it's the right decision. Right. A lot of unsportsmanlike conduct back then, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to ask you about um, how TV content, streaming content, has helped bolster the profile of surfing. Uh, we know that there's been a couple of Netflix documentaries on tennis, on golf, uh, on Formula One racing, and Michael Barr smiling ear to ear right now. That's really raised the profile of those sports and brought in a lot of new viewers and new, just a new. Um, fans, new followers who hadn't really given much thought to the sport before. There's an Apple TV docuseries called Make or Break, which is about WSL surfers as they compete on the championship tour. And the season two uh, will be or has debuted in February. Can you talk a little bit about the impact, what you've seen as a result of this docuseries and what it means for in particular sponsors? Yeah, and I think, you know, um, just taking a step further back, you know, we through the pandemic shot a um, reality-based TV show at our wave system in uh, Lemoore called Ultimate Surfer, which was a derivative of a program that I executive produced alongside with Dana White that used to be uh, Ultimate Fighter. And um, when we started having conversations with Box to Box Productions, um, we quickly recognized the, the opportunity given what Drive to Survive has done. And so, Paul and I decided to produce this series together. And it's been really transformative for, I think, the profile of our surfers and our sport. And, you know, when we look at ways and things that come to the forefront to sort of quantify it, 
you know, we had just past this past attendance, we had a day in Portugal where there was tens of thousands of people on a beach on a day where we had very pedestrian waves, but it was the largest beach attendance we've seen in Portugal. And it wasn't like, you know, superstar waves. Mm -hmm. And you see that you see the engagement on our social media platforms. We see the consumption that's sort of happening. And we even saw last year, you know, huge increases in terms of viewership and even the number of sponsors that sign on. I think, you know, whereas the F1 effect took two to three years before it really sort of flowed through and everybody saw it. In our case, because we're so global, we're not as concentrated, if you will, like watching the ratings specifically on ESPN for F1. Um, We're very, very global. Our big territories are Australia, Brazil, United States, uh, and you know parts of Europe, but the the headline is is that what I do see from our surfers' perspective is their profiles being higher. Um, we see more interest in the sport because of it, and and I think that as we continue to do work with Box to Box and we continue to take other products to the marketplace, you just you know, I've been in content a long time. You just never know what is the one that sort of clicks. You mm-hmm. just keep coming to the plate, if you will, and and making quality shows. Can you imagine Dana White getting in this? He's like, okay, surfers, we're going to put you in a cage and we're going to throw an octopus in there. Let's go. I could, oh, man, well, that's it, great. It, it, was, it was funny. We had him to the surf ranch when um, we were taping Ultimate Surfer, and he was full of all of that bravado, <laughs> gusto. And, and all he would do is take his shoes off, true story, take his shoes off, roll up his jeans, go nowhere near a surfboard. <laughs> but he didn't need to. <laughs> he didn't need to. He didn't uh, need to. No, no one was going to argue with him, myself included. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. I am going to ask the question that the four-year-old is just going to bluntly ask, how do all these surfers get paid? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, look, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. Um, there's a lot of different ways that in today's world surfers get paid. I think that the, the most 
and the best way for people to have a career surfing is to participate in this tiered system that we talked about. And so that's the first thing because, you know, our surf, we pay equal prize money on the championship tour, something people don't know. Our men and women make the same numbers. Here, here. And that's the first time that any international Different from tennis, different from that. golf, different right. from yeah. here, whatever here. sport you want to name. Yeah, so, so equality is like a really important thing for us. So I think especially for young girls, you know, and boys, there there's a career there. If you make it to the championship tour, you can have a you can have a very successful career. Now, the other part about it is is that you know, as you're aspiring, the power of these social media platforms these kids have in terms of whether it's TikTok or YouTube, and you go in there and you'll look at what the kids will call edits, and you'll look at them and make their surf clips, and and it is chock full of ways for kids to get sponsorships because what what really happens, and it, you guys probably remember, no matter how young or old the three of us think we are, um, surfing, especially in the United States, has been and will continue to be one of the most aspirational sports in the world. You know, I, you know, we grew up in Oklahoma, and you know, I wanted to wear Ocean Pacific OP shorts because <laughs> the, cool, the cool kids wore them, and. That's not really any different today because when you look at the great brands that are out there, they link to this aspirational thing about surfing. And so if you're a young surfer who's got some game, definitely compete, definitely get your competitive chops up, but definitely find ways to connect the lifestyle to yourself and your personality. And we're, we're seeing that happen with this insurgence. I mean, it is literally an insurgence of youth that are coming into the sport. And uh, it's very exciting. You were telling us earlier that you did not actually get on a surfboard until you were in your 40s. Is that right? Yeah, 41, actually. 41. How? What's the age span for a professional surfer? Well, let's take Kelly Slater, who's 52, out of the equation. Because when we talk about putting a thumb on the scale, you know, and I think people just need to take a minute and just like process that for a second. You know, the average age, the, take Kelly out of it, the average age of a championship tour surfer is probably sitting somewhere between 24 to 26. Mm-hmm. Kelly, Kelly Slater is 52. Kelly Slater won Pipeline last year, and the guy he competed with was the son of somebody he competed with 20 years ago. And he has gone through three generations of surfers. And I believe the stat was, well, I'll just be general. I think I know for a fact that there were a number of men championship tour surfers who were not even born when Kelly won his first world title. <laughs> and he is still on tour today. He's in Bell's Beach and he's in a heat. He is still on tour today. So he's a little bit. Um, An anomaly. You know, let's put, he's an anomaly. But he's an anomaly. But, but if you think about it to, to the sharp point of your question, you're, when you look in that, that mid-20s to early 30s, that's kind of the sweet spot of what we've seen. Certainly, we have some surfers on the other side of it, but generally speaking, it's right there. Can you imagine all the trash talking Kelly could do? I whipped your daddy's butt. Now I'm going to do the same thing to you. I get to see this now, and you can just plant that in the head. And I even the young guys are like, dang, man. I don't think he even needs to trash talk. He just walks well, out it, there. He, well, you know what? That, that It's so funny you say that. That's exactly what he does. He just... He, by the way, if you look at him, he's got these piercing blue eyes. I mean, they're just, like, unbelievable. And, you know, you're in the water, and he just looks at you. 
And that's it. He yeah. doesn't even have to say yeah. anything anymore. He just looks at you, and people just completely fall apart. Right, right. Oh, man, all these <laughs> handsome people. Uh, <laughs> Eric Logan, yeah. Chief Executive Officer of the World Surf League. Thank you so much, man, for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports. That was a lot of fun. We really do appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, you're welcome. And both of you are more than welcome to join me anytime at our surf ranch where I can teach you how to surf in a controlled environment or we just jump out back here in Los Angeles. You just do let me know. I feel like surfing is the ultimate uh, sport where you have to watch it live in person because it's stunning when you see it live. And TV captures it, but it doesn't quite capture it the, the right way. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. It's- yeah, it does. It, it does. It does. I mean, look, I mean, we have, you know, we had our finals last year and we had, you know, 8.3 million people watch the finals. Um, I, I think I, I think you're right. There's something about seeing it in person. What Hearing the waves, everything. Do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it feels it. It's still it's still very, very it's very, very hypnotic and transformative to watch. But, yeah, there's there's nothing nothing quite like standing on the shore watching them do it in live for sure. This has been the Bloomberg Business of Sports. I'm Duke Kahanamoko, and we're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday with all your podcasts. You can follow me, this is the real thing now, on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. It's such a privilege to hang out with Duke all day. (laughs) (laughs) Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Scarlet Foo. Uh, You have been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.